Everybody doing good today? All right. Now, yes, we lost the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. It's okay. Let's get that out there. I did make a, a, a deal. You know, I've been doing all season long. It's been, you know, people saying, you know, Pastor Dustin, if the Niners lose, you have to do this. And so I've been having a lot of fun making people wear Niners jerseys up on stage. And I did make that same deal for this week. However, no jersey was supplied to me to put on today. I was planning on, if they came with the jersey, saying, I'll put this on, Donald Q, shake it off, like, let's do this, all right? I'm just going to own Taylor Swift and the Chiefs. But nothing happened. So I stand before you very pleased, and I'm happy that I don't have to do that. But um, if, if the Ruck boys do want to cash in on that bet, I'm not going to say because they missed it today too bad. Like, if they bring it to me, I'll still own it because I'm a man of my word and I'll do it. But that's still out there. I just hope they forget sooner or later. Um, if you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to dive in today. Um, we're going to finish up our series we've been doing on redeeming our time. And um, I've had a lot of fun with this. Um, a lot of this has been really convicting and, and challenging me to grow in different ways. And also just fun with um, a few people have spotted out. I don't know if you guys watch much Marvel TV, but the little Miss Minutes up there. Yeah, a few people have said, well, one person in particular came up to me and said, Pastor Dustin, I think we know what your two favorite TV shows are. I was like, all right, all right, go for it. They said, first one, Loki. And I said, but not my favorite, but I, mean, I really like Loki, yeah. And, they, and then they said, second, The Chosen. And does anybody here watch The Chosen on TV? So I, I've seen clips, but I personally have not seen the show in its entirety yet. But, um, but I said, you know, so you nailed it with Loki. I actually asked Donald when he was putting it, because Donald does a great job with all of our slides. I said, hey, when we're putting this together, can you put Miss Minutes up there? It's just a fun time thing. Um, but then they said, The Chosen, and I said, why would you say The Chosen? Just because I'm a pastor and it's a show about Jesus, because people assume that. Uh, but she actually said, she goes, no, because for the past three weeks, every one of your messages has been like the highlight of the episode of The Chosen. And I said, well, praise God for coincidences, right? <laughs> because that's, that's way beyond anything I planned out. <clears throat> but all that to say, I've had a lot of fun with this, and I hope that you guys have been learning and applying different principles about time the way that I have as well. And so as we, as we dive in this morning, let's pray, let's welcome God in, and um, let's, let's get ready to, uh, it's funny, we're going to talk about being busy today, and Ashley was all about busy, 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 and that is the highlight of the message today. So let's pray, let's welcome God in, and let's dive in the Word together. God, I thank you so much for today. Um, I thank you that, that you are here, that you are present in this place, and God, I pray that, that everything that we do here all points back to you. God, more, more than the words I say, God, more than anything the worship team does, more than any, anything anyone says or does on campus, God, they don't just, people, we, we don't see us here, God, but we see you. So God, we welcome you here. I pray that we all leave here different because we were encountered and touched by you, and God, that we take you out of this place and into our communities. We thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen. <clears throat> all right, so Ephesians 5. 15 through 17, we've been talking about this passage, and the, the key line in this says, God commands us to redeem our time so that we can do the will of the Lord. And, and we've talked about six principles in this, uh, this series so far. The, the first one we did, we said, start with the word. If you want to talk about really redeeming your time, we've got to start with the word. We've got to let your yes be yes. We have to dissent from the kingdom of noise. We have to prioritize our yeses. Accept our unipresence, and then I, I love the message Stephanie gave when she was here when she said, embrace productive rest. It's funny, when, when I was putting this series together, um, Stephanie came up to me, and she goes, you know, hey, I want to, I want to, welcome back, guys, hey. 
Um, what's funny is I usually make fun of Jordan for getting up and leaving, but now he did a whole crew with him this time. He didn't want to be the one guy, right? <laughs> um, when I was putting this message together, um, Stephanie had kind of said, hey, let me see kind of your outline, what you're going with. And she said, I, I want to talk on one of these. And I said, all right, so what one speaks to you? And when she looked at it, she goes, productive rest. That, that, that's the one that really stood out to her. And I thought she did such a phenomenal job talking about rest and the benefits and importance of productive rest. And, and we're going to finish it up today talking about hurry and busyness. So let, let me ask you a question this. How are you today? Like, really, how are you doing today? See, initially when I came up, I said, how are you? Hey, we're good. Then I say, how are you really? I don't really want to say, right? <laughs> it got real quiet. It, sometimes if we're brutally honest, you know, we, we go past the surface level responses to questions. You know, hey, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. It's kind of the program things we say. If you really dive into that question, how are you? Sometimes we can even overwhelm ourselves just by thinking, how am I really? What does my schedule really look like? What is happening in life right now, and how am I really doing? And I think if we're brutally honest, some of us may not be as good as the persona we put off to be just amongst everyday life. The answer to this common formality of the question has some more templated answers in the English, in the English language. We say, good. Sometimes people will say, I'm really busy. But sometimes they say it, but they're not really conveying how busy they are. Really, really busy. Tired, but good is a common answer. It's amazing how many of our answers, though, you break it down when you ask people, how are you? So many combinations include the word good and busy. It's, it's just, it's out there. That's, that's typically how we live our lives. Good and busy. It's almost like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together all the time. It's like a badge of honor sometimes. The, the busier you are, the better things are going. But is that the case? Is that always the case? And I guess it really depends, because I think a more precise word that we can use instead of saying busy is people could say, how are you? I am rushed. I am hurried. I am out of time. I think that, that phrase can come out more often than we like to admit if we're really going to be honest. But today we're going to unpack this last principle, and we're going to talk about how we can eliminate all hurry. Eliminate all hurry. I think to, to redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, the way we've been talking about, looking at Jesus, we have to embrace productive busyness while also, also ruthlessly eliminating all hurry from our lives. Throughout the series, we, we talked about how life can be drastically different now, or it is drastically different now than it was in the first century. Right? In the first century, they didn't have all the technology that we had. So it's easy to, to look at the challenges that we have today and say, Jesus didn't have those challenges. He didn't have his email going bling, 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 bling every two seconds as he's walking down the street or his text messages blowing up or whatever social media platform going out there. He may have not have those challenges today, but he did have the same time management challenges that we have today. Jesus was busy. He was very busy. One of the most common words in the Gospel of Mark is immediately. When you read this, it'll say, immediately Jesus went to do this. Jesus was talking to these people. Then immediately he went to do that. The word is said so many times. It's over 40 times Mark says Jesus immediately did something. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, no matter what gospel you read, you see he was immediately moving from place to place. You see that Jesus was a busy man. From, from the minute he started his three-year mission journey, he was a very busy man. One time Jesus was too busy to eat and his family thought he was out of his mind. So Mark 3 verses 20 and 21 says this, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. 
When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Right? They, they literally said, Jesus, you're out of your mind. You're too busy to eat. You're crazy. I, I feel like I'm never too busy to eat. Right? I, I, I got I to gotta get that consumption coming in. But he was too busy to even eat. Another time, Jesus' disciples tried to convince him to call it a day. They said, you've been working all day. We're done. And Jesus replied, the day's not over yet. He said, no, there's, there's working hours in this day. John eleven nine 9 says this. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? He didn't live in Washington, but are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. The, the Cambridge Bible commentary translates that, Jesus' words. They, they say it this way. Are there not 12 working hours in which a man may labor without fear of stumbling? I have not yet reached the end of my working day, and so can safely continue the work that I came to do. The night cometh when I can no longer work, but it has not yet come. So Jesus was telling him, he's like, guys, there's, there's an amount of time in the day that I can work, and I'm going to use that time well. I, don't tell me when to stop. I know when I can stop, but right now there's still a job to do, and I'm going to finish what God has called me to do. And when that night did come, as it does every day, the night came, Jesus prayed to God by saying this in John 17, 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I would love to be able to end every day by saying that. Look up and God and say, you know what, God? You gave me tasks today, and I did them. I did everything the way it was planned out and mapped out for me. But, you know, being brutally honest, I don't get to say that every day. There's a lot of days I don't even get close to saying that. I feel like my schedule got out of hand. I feel like I got too busy. Just life just happened. And my time, instead of me managing my time, my time was managing me. And I was just falling into that trap. And I, I fall into that trap often. But as we talked about the past four messages on time, Jesus was highly motivated. He was highly motivated to finish this work as a means of glorifying God. It wasn't just, wasn't just so he could check the boxes in the day. Everything he did, he would point back to God. and He would always say, this is the glory of the Father. This is God touching you. This is your faith in God that is allowing me to talk to you about this. He says it all the time. He was productive and busy, but it was all for glorifying God. I, I can find myself in a hurry a lot. But I, what, I, what I want to differentiate today, I'm fumbling today, man, just like the Niners did. <laughs> so what I want to differentiate today is there is a difference between being busy and being hurried. I think there is a big difference. One we can manage, one manages us. Jesus was busy. We see him busy all the time, but we never in Scripture see Jesus being hurried. We never see his time managing him. We see him in control of all the things he's doing in the midst of being an incredibly busy man. So what's the difference between busyness and hurry? Pastor John Ortberg puts it like this in his book, Soul Keeping. He says this, there's a world of difference between being busy and being hurried. Being busy is an outward condition, a condition of the body. It occurs when we have many things to do. Busyness is inevitable in modern culture. By itself, busyness is not lethal. Being hurried is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I'm unable to be fully present with God, with myself, and with other people. I am unable to occupy this present moment. Busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. So in other words, bus busyness is having a lot of meetings on your calendar. That, that's being busy. 
Hurry is scheduling those meetings to where they overlap. You don't have time to think or process on the way to your next one. And if one goes long, you are now strapped for time and stressed out because you just lost time and everything is turning into chaos because you didn't schedule things well. And I'm not saying having multiple meetings consecutively is bad. I mean, that's the story of my life half the time. But not allowing yourself time to process the meeting, not giving yourself follow-up time to work through those meetings, to where you're sprinting and you can't even focus on what's going on, and you get mad because now you're out of time, that's being hurried. Busyness is having a lot of errands to run, going from a store to another store. Hurried is getting mad about choosing the wrong line at the grocery store because now someone in front of you is going really slow and you just lost three minutes, and now you are out of time for your next appointment. Now you are hurried. You cross that line from being busy to hurried. Busyness is attending a Bible study, a worship rehearsal, a church meeting, and a Sunday service all in one week, every week. Hurry is not having enough time in the midst of those to be still and listen to God and find out what are you learning in all these meetings. What is God speaking to you? How can you apply this? Here's a reality about our culture today. Almost all of us are busy and hurried. Almost all of us across the board are busy and hurried today. And I think that's a problem because when we look at the way Jesus modeled his life, he modeled the perfect balance of a busy life, but not a hurried and rushed life. He gave us a good model. So for us, we have to ask ourselves, what's causing our hurry? What is causing us all to, to an individual, this is going to be different for each one of us, but what's causing us in our lives to say, I am so hurried that it is now managing my busyness instead of me taking time to do what I need to do? There's so many answers. Some will be, some will be um, externally answered. Some can be internally answered. But I think most practically, our hurry seems to come from a failure to count the cost of our time. What is this going to cost me? What is this going to cost me? How am I going to learn and grow from this? What will this accomplish instead of what will it take away? Jesus uses this accounting terminology with his disciples in the book of Luke. Luke 14, 28 to 30, he says this. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, and he is not able to finish. That sounds like a typical Tuesday for some of us, right? You sit down like, this is what I'm going to do today, but you didn't quite map it out all the way, and now you can't get it done. You bit off way more than you can chew for your one day of the week. And Jesus models this in the Gospel of Mark. He says in Mark 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those who were selling doves. This is a popular passage, right? Some, some of the books go into it saying when he flipped the tables, he made a whip and he drove people out. This is when you see like people go, yeah, Jesus got angry. Look at what he did at the temple. He flipped things over. But the crazy thing is here, he saw it happening the night before. He went there, rode in, saw it happening, but what did he do the night that he saw it? He did nothing. He went on with the rest of his day. Then he came back. But his plan all along was to make this right. It's not like he thought, oh, this isn't so bad, and the next day I decided this is bad. He saw it and knew it was bad, but he didn't do anything until the next day. Why not that night? Why not do it as soon as he saw it? And, and I, we don't have a definitive answer for this, but I, I can kind of think, for those of you who have kids, you know, if you walked in and you're like, all right, kids, and you see their room, and you go, 
not today, not doing it, nope. <laughs> you know that room's got to get clean. But in that moment right there, you're like, nope. Or, or you go into the kitchen, you're like, all right, I want to make something for dinner, and you see the dishes, and you're just like, Chick-fil-A today, yep, that's where we're going. Right? You're like, I, I know I have to do the dishes. This cannot stay this way. But today, with everything going on, this is not the day that I'm going to do this. I, I, I think, this is my personal thoughts, I think Jesus' track record as a, a busy but unhurried guy, I think he was counting the cost of his time. You see, when, when he went in there, it says it was already late, and this was already a busy day he had had. This is the same day that he had sent his disciples into town and said, you're going to find a donkey. I need you to bring that donkey to me. I'm going to ride the donkey into Jerusalem. People were waving palm branches, singing Hosanna, and the Messiah, you're here. This is all happening on this day. Jesus had a lot going on. And I think when he saw this, he knew it was wrong, but he said, this is not the day that I'm going to handle this. Doesn't mean it's not wrong, because it is wrong. But today, my day is busy. This is what was accomplished today. I'm going to come back to this. And then he did. He didn't ignore it because he came back the following morning. But it's almost like you can hear him muttering when he walks into the temple and sees it. Just goes, you guys are going to be here tomorrow, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to have fun in the morning. Could Jesus have squeezed in a little table flipping before he went to bed that night? Probably. He probably could have done it. But he chose not to. I think he counted that cost and he knew, every, he knew that adding anything to his already busy day could have tipped that balance to now I'm rushing to do things instead of doing what God called me to do this day for his glory. He still got to it. It was still effective. It still made the book. And we still get the lessons from it. And he did it in the perfect time. To redeem our time, I think we have to be like Jesus in this aspect. Embrace the busy and productive toward your aims in the world while ruthlessly eliminating the hurry from our lives. There's a few things I want to point out from, I think, this passage is on what we see with Jesus doing here. One is this. We will always be busy. We will always be busy, but we do not have to be hurried. Let that sink for a second. You will always be busy, but you do not have to be hurried. John Ortberg, again, says it also this way. Hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. Hurry is a disordered heart. Think about what the word disorder means. What's funny is if you look up disorder in the dictionary, it says when things are out of order. It's like, oh, okay. Thanks for that, right? <laughs> Captain Obvious. No twist in this definition. The quality of life, though, I think when we, when we unpack what does it mean if your life is disordered, your quality of life is going to diminish. When you lose the proper order of things, stuff falls out of place. When God created the, science, the, the, the solar system, he created such an amazing order to how this thing works that if one thing goes all weird and out of place, everything falls apart. When, when you look at the, the order God called to the earth even, the earth will sit at this exact angle. It will rotate at this exact speed. It will go around the sun at this exact place. If any of those is off by a fraction, earth dies. God called this to an order. Things become chaos and things cease to be when disorder comes in. And I know on the grand scale of, like I said, you know, the world, if it tips one degree that way, it blows up. Our lives are not going to blow up if one thing tips. But think if one thing tips and we don't fix it, then something else tips. Then something else tips. Then something else tips. Our schedule suddenly turns into our life being totally disorderly. And that can ruin you. It can ruin what you're trying to accomplish. It can ruin even when you say, so many times I hear people say, I didn't have quiet time today because I didn't have time. My reply is, 
you don't have time not to have quiet time. You've got to have it because that starts setting so much of your day in order. Get right with God. Um, This is kind of a side tangent, but when it comes to quiet time, I like to have mine before I even get into the office. I like to read some scripture because, man, that's just when I, when I get here now and I'm ready for my day, I've had my time with God. If, if my life is an instrument, he has now tuned it for the symphony. I'm ready to go. I don't want to come to God at the end of the day and say, I just played my whole concert with my instrument on tune. Can, can we work on this now? There are days when I do that. Like, man, my, my day was so crazy. I need to come back to you. But I love to start my day with him. It gives me a sense of order for what I'm going to do. <clears throat> this order is not a joke. Often, though, we, we try to learn to cope with our disordered lives instead of having a severe wake-up call and reorder them so that we can thrive again. And I think this, this is key. We can't just try to live disorderly. We've, we've got to make adjustments. We've got to fix it so that we can really thrive. We need to reorder our business and manage it so that our business does not manage us. People manage their busy schedule and their time. Or busy people manage their schedule and time. Hurried people are managed by their schedule, and they run out of time. There was a man that I worked with um, on a volunteer basis in California. His name is Ernest. And um, Ernest is the epitome of the busiest man I think I've ever met or known in my life. So at Creekside, Ernest was involved. Uh, They just had their big crab feed, and every year he spearheads cooking at the crab feed. We would do a dinner auction to raise money for camp. He would spearhead cooking at the dinner auction. And if you ever need anything from Ernest, this is the man that would do it. He has a lot of resources. He's, he's been financially blessed, and he financially blesses so many people and things around him. And he's, he's just a giver, and he's a fun, awesome guy. But on top of that, he's busy. He runs a business. He runs and owns his own business, and his wife runs and owns her own business. And on top of that, he coordinates a lot of logistics with his wife's business. He's very busy. He also has two kids. He also lives on a farm and has horses and donkeys and chickens and just there's stuff to do all the time. And when you call him, and what's funny is I know he's in church right now, but if I could call him, put on speakerphone right now, I'd be like, Ernest, how you doing? He'd go, life is crazy, busier than normal. How can I help you? That's like his default answer. Life is crazy, life is busy. How can I help you? And you know what he'll do whenever you ask him for something or help with anything? The man fits it into a schedule and helps. It's, it's crazy. Um, he has said no before on different things, which was we talked about, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. It's healthy to say no at times. But this, this man finds ways to help people all the time. And, and I learned something from him in the midst of his, of his life and his schedule. If you want to get something done, ask a busy person. And I don't mean overload a busy person, but if you see someone who is busy, but they are effectively managing things, that is someone who can help. That is someone who manages and who is responsible. Busy people get stuff done. Hurried people can panic and stress. Busy people can get stuff done. Busy people seldom stop. And I'm not saying they don't take vacations, they don't take breaks, because that is healthy, that is good. Take vacation, take a break, say no when you need to. If you listened to Stephanie's message a few weeks ago, you heard all about rest, how important that is, and how it's true for even the busiest people, that they have to take breaks throughout their day in order to be more productive. But what the solution is not, the solution is not panic. The solution is not hurry. The solution is not stop. The solution is to simplify and put it in order the way we see Jesus have his life and schedule in order. So how do you simplify? I think it means putting our focus on the right things. When when you map out your day and you map out, God, here's my goals, here's my vision. What do you want for me to do? Saying, all right, God, now help me put this in order. Help me figure out what are the next steps I have to do. 
Part of the, the work of the gospel in our lives, according to Paul, is that the light of Christ produces what is good and right and true. And when we, we say, God, here's my schedule, help me manage it, you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, this is good, this is right, this is true. When you, when you follow me, this is the plan I have for you, it will produce these good things. Start there. Ask God to reveal what is important. God's values will always follow suit with those things. Paul speaks in Ephesians 5.10 about what pleases the Lord. He's not saying what just makes God happy. He said this is good and pleasing to him. He's saying that God is truly looking for and what God truly values is what we should look for and value. And here's a spoiler. Living hurried and disordered is not it. That, that is not going to produce those good fruit, that, that good fruit. Remember, being busy is not the problem. We're always going to be busy. Being productive, being responsible, being effective. Some of the most, the people that do this the best have one common denominator. You know what that is? They're busy people. They are very, very busy people. But know this, they have order to their busyness. See, God's values, and the second point is, God's values are all about the things that draw us into a healthy and whole relationship with him and also with one another. And I think the more we, we effectively manage our time, we'll get to see this play out in our lives. We'll see God's values, the things that draw us into healthy relationships. They bring us closer to him. They bring us closer to his people. This all comes with managing your busy schedules. And this, this is key. We, we see this all over scripture. There, there are too many uh, things that can be identified that we, we often have to be selective with the things that we want to focus on, right? Just as the goal is not to stop, I'm saying if, if your schedule gets busy, it, I'm not saying stop, just drop everything. I'm saying simplify it. Simplify it. Put it in perspective. The aim is to be busy with the right things without being hurried. Dallas Willard was a, a late great uh, Christian practitioner. He, he was asked, he said, what is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life? You know what his response was? He said, hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life and in our everyday. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I love how almost oxymoronish that phrase is. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. That answer means something. I, I, also, step one for us involves discovering or rediscovering God's values. And, and second, you've got to let those values really take shape in your life. Really pursue God's values for you. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord, like it says in Ephesians 5.10. When we do that, we can eliminate the panic, eliminate the stress, and focus on, this is what God wants me to focus on, He's going to get me through it. He's going to provide the energy I need. If God has a time for me to do something, he will give me the time to do that thing. But we've got to focus on his timing for it. Third is this. God's values breed life. God's values will breed life. They, they breed the kind of life that our soul so desperately longs for. The, the kind of life that our world will so desperately long for. But you can't grasp if you're in a hurry because if you're in a hurry, you may be pursuing all the wrong things. This is all about directing our life and our values and goals towards what matters. So in the long run, what really matters is being kingdom-minded. What really matters is living out that commission God gave us. Go tell people about what I've done. Make disciples, baptize them. That is the ultimate goal for all of us, right? So I have to be honest with myself. What in my life is helping me be kingdom-minded and what is helping me be world-minded? And the best way to do that is I have to look at my values. I have to look at my time. I have to look at my schedule. What, what is taking up my time? What is causing me to panic? What is causing me to hurry? And what is causing me to be fruitful? What is causing me to be productive? And I think simplifying our energy comes down to two key things. Having a simplified version or vision of my values 
and a simplified vision of my time. There's, there's a famous saying. It says, if you want to know what's really important to somebody, look at two things. Or if you want to know what's important to you, look at these two things for your life. Look at your calendar. Look at your checkbook. That checkbook's a funny thing. You write checks, money, and stuff. Your Venmo account, whatever, one of those things. But look at your, look at your calendar and look at, look at your finances. Those two things will dictate a lot of priority in your life. If we value everything, oh, simplifying your values will, will let you know that. Look at those, see what you value, how you use your energy, and know this. If you say you value everything, you really aren't valuing anything. You can't value everything, but look at what do you value. John Mark Comer says this. He, he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He said, we achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. And, and he's right. I think much of our frustration, as we would venture to say, stems from an incongruency behind what do we value and then what are we actually spending our time on. If you say you value something, but you spend no time on it, you really are dreaming about that thing. You're not valuing it. You're, you're dreaming about it and thinking about it. But if you value something, you're going to put time into it. You'll put some resources into it. Um, my, my, my house, you, know, you look at my calendar, my checkbook, I, I value, my kids value Chick-fil-A. They do. They, they strongly value that chicken. Aurora calls it Jesus chicken. But we also value the fun things for our kids. You know, there's a lot of value that gets put in my kids you know, with, with the sports and extracurricular activities. And, and I know that when, when one of my girls comes up to me and says, hey, we talked about this in school. There's a class coming up. I really want to do it. I want to make it happen because I value my kids. Um, something that, that I know that um, what's been fun to see, um, and I know Aurora's not here. She's at a, a camp this weekend, but... I value, I value my daughter's walk with Jesus so much that she came up to me recently. She said, Dad, I want to get a new Bible. I want to get tabs so I can make notes on it. Dad, can you get me these tabs? Because she takes notes on Sundays. That's like the best thing ever for a pastor. See, you know, his kid taking notes. But she's taking notes. And when she said, Dad, I want this Bible, she sent me a link to it on Amazon. Dad, I want this Bible. I want these tabs. I want this so I can take notes and follow along. You know who didn't think twice about getting that stuff? I was like, I'm getting my kid that Bible. Because I value her walk with Jesus. If, if we value things, we're going to put effort and resources into it. And um, what I love about what she said is she is making her own money doing some things now. And I said, wow, that's a that's pretty, pretty pricey Bible you want. Without missing a beat, she said, I have money to help pay for it. It's like she values it. She, she, is, she is walking her talk, and it is so encouraging for this dad to see. If we value it, we will put it on our calendar. We will put resources into it. Much of our frustration stems from an incongruency between that, though. What do we value and what are we actually spending our time on? We can exhaust ourselves for the wrong things instead of establishing a legacy for what really matters the most. The tricky part about this is that the enemy of great is often the good. In other words, we, we can find justifiable reasons to keep doing everything we're doing, even if we're not at the pace of life we're supposed to be living, because we say, oh, this is good, it's okay. But I want us, as a church, in our walk with Jesus, and the way we do life together, I want us to go beyond good. Let's get to that great point. We say, man, how is, how is church going for you? Church is great. Why is church great? I'm connecting with Jesus. I'm connecting with people. I'm engaged. I'm plugged in. Let's go from good to great. It'll require us to be busy. This next season, if you listen to announcements, it is a busy season ahead. 
We've got said the, the baptisms, the Mexico trip, class 201, uh, we, the small group starting on Tuesday. Man, if you haven't signed up for a small group yet, I'm so excited for the cycle of small groups. This book is fun to read. Uh, we have, we're going to have dinner here on campus. I got, they, I got a preview of the dinner menu. Man, you're missing out on, if you don't sign up, you're missing out on some dinner. Let me tell you, it's going to be good. But, other, but beyond just the, the food part, it's going to be a great time to dive into this book together, to really challenge each other, soul detox. What are things in our lives that we need to push out so we can allow and make more room for the things God wants to fill in us? Man, sign up and come here. It's going to be a funny, uh, not a funny, but a fun time together. As Ashley said, the, the small group leaders here, they're all good. Pick one. She didn't sign up for mine. That's okay. I won't hold it against her. But it's, it's going to be great. Sign up for a small group. Start establishing the legacy. What matters most? Man, fellowship and growing, connect, growing with each other and growing closer to God, man, that matters. That really does matter. Let's go from good to great. And there's a question that I want to ask you for all today. What is most important? When you look at your schedule and you look at your life, you say, what is most important? Now notice, I did not ask what is important. I said, what is most important? So I think if we were to make a list of what's important, we could easily fill that list so fast. But when you look at your calendar and you look at your life and what do you want, what is most important? A legion of things will make that list of what's important, but only a few will make what is most important. And the answer comes down to determining the, the Christ-centered values that you want to live by. If we don't live according to Christ-centered values, our lives are going to be ones that are reactive and not proactive. Values are not just words or mantras. These are the fire that it, this is the fire that ignites everything we do. If, if you look on our church website, there's a, uh, there's a page that says what we believe and what are our values. Everything I do stems from those values. And I don't want those. Those are not just words to me. That is what I want to live out for us, for this church, for this community. In your life, what are, you, what are your values? Are you living them out? We structure our calendars around our values. We make big decisions. We make small decisions. We can make life-altering decisions based off of what do we value. Living in alignment with your value ensures that you're living a life of simplicity, a life of purpose, not hurry, and not haphazard coincidences. With all that said, my, my hope and prayer for all of us is this, that I pray that all of you are busy. And that's not a bad thing. I pray that you're all busy, but I also pray that you're not hurried that you are busy with good production. You are busy with what God has called you to do, and that leads to the most productive, amazing year of your life ever in your walk with God. That you live a life being busy, surrounded by Christ-centered values. So the full list, again, start with, you want to manage your time, redeem your time, start with the word. Always start with the word. Let your yes be yes. Descent from the kingdom of noise. Block out what the world is trying to tell you and focus on what God is telling you prioritize your yeses. Make, make sure you have your list and you say, this is what I can say yes to. I'm going to stick with it. Accept your unipresence. Know that you can't be in two places at the same time. You are in one place. You are in one focus. Do that thing where you are. Accept that you can only be in one place at one time. Embrace productive rest. Take your breaks. Take vacation. Understand you have to sleep. Busy people still sleep. If they don't sleep, they can't be busy and they will be unproductive. Rest. And then today, eliminate all hurry. Make sure your schedule is not managing you. You are managing your schedule. You are productive in a good way because you're doing what God has called you to do. And go back to that passage with Jesus saying, man, at the end of the day, he's like, God, 
I had a good day today. I accomplished what you wanted me to today. Before we close, I want to say a few words about uh, discipline. We've seen the past few weeks, Jesus was very disciplined in his time. He was very intentional on, this is when I'm going to do what I'm going to do. This is what I have time for. This is what I don't have time for. He was very intentional about glorifying uh, his father by finishing the work, as we said in John 17. Now, Jesus' examples show us that that discipline is a virtue, and the the theme that the writers of the Scripture carry through the New Testament, uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, don't you know that when people run on the racetrack, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? Run in such a way that you will win it. Everyone who goes in for athletics exercises self-discipline in everything. But they do it to gain a crown that perishes. We do it for an imperishable one. Well, then, I don't run in an aimless fashion. I don't box like someone punching the air. No, I give my body body rough treatment, and I make it my slave. In case, after announcing the message to others, I myself should end up being disqualified. That's the uh, New New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 9. Now, as Christ followers, don't run through life in an aimless fashion. Don't just run through swinging at the air, not knowing what you're going to connect with, not knowing what's going on. We are called to self-discipline in everything. Paul often used athletics in scripture because he was talking to a Greek culture where there was Olympics and people were athletes and athletics. This was a big deal. So he knew if I talk in an athletic term, people will understand what I'm saying. So Paul uses this. He says, just like athletes train, they train to win that prize, know that their prize perishes. Ours does not. Train and run like we are running that race, going for that prize that will never perish. We are called to have self-discipline in everything. Or what Paul calls in Galatians 5, he calls it self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Discipline is a byproduct of a Spirit-filled, Christ-like life. And man, he will help you be productive, he'll help you manage your busyness, and he'll help you accomplish what he has set for you to accomplish. I'd like to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close this morning. And as we, as we bring the series to a close, as with any good thing, we, we can easily make discipline an, an ultimate thing and then turn it into an idol. And I don't want that to be anything, but discipline can be a gift, but, but it can also be a curse if you take it too, too far to the extreme. And let me encourage you um, to look for two signs, I would say, two signs that you've turned to the dark side of discipline if you're, if you're going too extreme with this. If you are unable to extend grace to others who are less disciplined than yourself, you think you've crossed the line. Know that God offers grace in everything. We have to offer grace to other people and even be graceful with yourself. Don't beat yourself down so bad that if you make a mistake or you mess up, all you're doing now is convicting and bashing yourself. Show yourself some grace. We're all on this journey together. We can't forget that everything we have, including our ability to be disciplined as we redeem our time, has been graciously given to us by the Father. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Our ability to be disciplined in, in redeeming our time is a gift, a gift of grace and a gift of salvation so that no one can boast. That's Ephesians 2.9. And second, I said it with the first one, but extend grace to yourself extend grace to yourself. If you're unable to extend grace to yourself, you've crossed over to the dark side of discipline. I'm going to remind you again, gospel frees us from the need to be productive. God doesn't need you to finish your to-do list. He gives you the tasks, and if you give it everything you've got, God will make sure the job gets done. 
he will always make sure it gets done. 1 Corinthians 9.25, I'm going to read this one more time. Everyone who goes in for athletics exercises self-discipline in everything. They do it for a crown that perishes. We do it for an imperishable one. Focus on that last line when you look at your life and when you're making your calendar, you're making your schedule. You say, all right, is this for an earthly crown or is this putting me closer to that imperishable crown? Let that be what drives you. Let God be what fuels you. Let God be what makes you busy, but productive and busy and not rushed and hurried. Would you stand with me? As we look in this next season, I want to encourage you guys again. I'm going to, I'm going to beat this horse till the, as long as I'm here. Sign up for a small group. It's online. If you go to ccplop.com, you can click on small groups. The links are there. We start on Tuesday. Again, we're doing food and childcare, so we need to know who's coming. Sign up for a group. It's going to be great. Class 201, I am excited for 201. We're going to talk about four habits that I think are very important and critical for us to really dive in and become better disciples of God. If you want to be really serious about, I want this year to be the best year ever, take this class with me. It's going to be a lot of information, but it's going to be good information. And again, if you want an amazing experience on what it means to, to really go out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus, stick after church today, be a part of the Mexico meeting. Being at the meeting doesn't commit you to coming, but it does give you all the information if you do want to come. And man, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year, going to Mexico. I know there's a lot of people that came that are returning. A lot of people said they're coming for the first time, but man, let's, we get to go and we go with the intention of we're going to build a house and we're going to bless people in Mexico. But I don't think I've ever heard one person not say, I felt like God did more work in me than I was doing down there. It's a phenomenal trip. So sign up for the stuff coming on. Let's go from being a good church. Let's be the great church God has called us to be. Let's go from being good disciples to great disciples. Let's go from having a good walk with Jesus to having a great walk with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are, God, you are beyond a great God. I thank you that you love us so much, God, that, that you gave your son for us and that, that when we give our lives to you, God, we set our tasks out to do what you've called us to do, God. We can be productive. We can be busy, but we can get rest and we can give you all the glory for what's done. God, I pray against any hurry. I pray against any stress or, or panic that may ensue in our lives, God, and that we're able to reorganize and get our lives in order so that we can be productive the way you've called us to be and we can grow and thrive the way you want us to. So God, with that, we thank you. We give you all that we are. And I pray that we go from all things good to all things great. And we ask this in your name. Amen.